For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Well, guys, I hope you got your favorite beverage on tap because we're celebrating here on Land Sharks After Dark. What is it we're celebrating, you might ask yourself, and that is that Ole Miss went to Hoover and they left Hoover right after they got there. No one got injured, uh, didn't have to pitch anybody. We didn't, we didn't want to pitch. Um, really best-case scenario, in my opinion, for Ole Miss in the SEC tournament, but we'll get into that in a second. First, let me introduce my co-host here. I have with me, as always, John Stefanzik in Boston. John, how are you, my man? Doing well, doing well. Semester's up and headed back home to Pensacola on Saturday. Maybe All right. A couple weeks and just chill out and party, basically. So Good stuff. Getting out of that. the frozen north, uh, coming back yep. down to God's country a little bit. Also yes. with us tonight is our uh, our good friend, formerly of OleMissSports.com, also a former sports editor of the Daily Mississippian, Austin Miller. How are you, Austin? Doing well. I'm checking in from from Grace in Georgia, home of the Condiches. I just got back from Miami where I spent the weekend with some friends there from high school and just kind of taking some time off trying to figure out what's next for me in my career. But it's great being with great talking to y'all. Great. Awesome. That's right, folks. Austin is such an Ole Miss diehard that he actually moved from Austin to Grayson, Georgia, just <laughs> to be in the home of the Kimdichie brothers. I respect that. It's great to be back. No, yeah, no. It's a joke. The, the I'm joking, third, obviously. That's where Austin's third, from. The, the third most famous song, Grayson alum. Wait, so did you mind. did you go to the same high school as them? Yeah, Grayson High School. So Denzel is what, like a year younger than us? Is that right? I think he's two years younger than us. So did you know of them in high school? Obviously, they were playing. Oh, I, I saw the, I saw them play. I remember coming back from you know Thanksgiving break and Christmas break and things like that and watching them play for sure. Interesting, interesting. Wait, so did they both just play on defense in high school? Oh. They both played running back as well. I mean, we've we've seen Robert play running back at Ole Miss, but he also did it at Grayson, and Denzel did too some some wing back. That's right. Because was was Robert injured his senior season, or he was just getting like triple teams, so he wasn't able to do much. I can't remember. A lot, lot, lot of triple teams, a lot of trapping, a lot of running away from him. Yeah, that's what I thought. So yeah, interesting perspective here. Glad to have also on the podcast, not just because he's from Grayson, also he has a lot of great insights on Ole Miss sports. But um, before we get started. I want to remind everybody that we are recording in the Rebel Sports Radio studio, powered by Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Mississippi. It is always good to be blue. You can follow Rebel Sports Radio on Twitter at Rebel Sport Radio, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rebel Sports Radio. Uh, visit the website, rebelsportsradio.com. Great new interface there for you to get your favorite shows, download the apps. You know what to do. Um, but yeah, let's get started. Uh, earlier today, that's why we're, you might be hearing this a day late because we decided to wait a day to record to see what happened in the first round of the SEC tournament. And uh, turns out my suspicion was correct that Ole Miss did not get the single elimination win they needed to hang around Hoover. Lost to Alabama by a final score of 6-1 to one in the 9.30 a.m. game. Uh, really tough, guys. Really putting a, putting a lot on me to get up to watch that. But uh, I did it. I did it for the listeners. No, I'm just kidding. Ole Miss was the sixth seed in Hoover. Alabama was the 11th. Uh, got a really good game out of their pitcher, Bramlett. He had 10 strikeouts, complete game. Uh, only gave up that one earned run. 
Um, Ole Miss started Scott, Scott Weathersby, had a decent outing, also got work for Waggis back, uh, got some work for Wyatt Short, and then Will Stokes closed out that game. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, no one got hurt in Hoover. Um, Ole Miss didn't have to, to use their, their great arms in Christian Trent and Brady Bramlett. Probably uh, the best case scenario. I don't know. What do you guys think? Awesome. Do you think there's any importance to Hoover for a team like Ole Miss, or do you think this is probably in the long run a better outcome than hanging around? I think I think if they had, if they had made a run, they could have maybe slightly gotten a better location, maybe slightly better draw. I mean, it's hard to really say anything about that, but but like kind of like kind of like you said, getting rest for the for the two frontline start, starters and, and and keeping everyone healthy and you know resting up and and just see where the see how the bracket plays. That's probably it's probably is kind of close to the best case scenario. I don't think any of the coaches or players would admit that, but I mean maybe in the long run it, it works out for them. Right. Obviously, for a bubble team, it would be a little bit different. What do you think, John? Uh, to me, I mean, they got their one win against A&M. That's what they needed to do. Really, it was, it was a good sign. They fell behind early. Offense came alive, scored seven runs. And we've seen, really, over the second half of the season, since the Bortles' grand time against Vanderbilt, the, the bats are starting. They're not a dynamic offensive team, but they're, they've gone from a mediocre to at least a decent offensive team. And combine that with their pitching, they ought to, I mean, get put them in the right draw. I guess, I believe it's probably, is it Sunday or Monday? One of those two days. Selection we'll Monday. Election Monday, so yeah, we'll, we'll be doing the pod next Monday night. Probably be yeah. spend a good amount of time looking analyzing the bracket. I guess For sure. see where see where we go. I'm, I'm with you. Let's go to Dallas Baptist. A, oh my goodness, you go, you go Dallas and B. It's like oh, I'm actually be able to w- have a, even money to win that regional. But anyway, so it all worked out, and they went and they uh, they lost in Hoover, which is what I'm an advocate of. So now they basically have a long week and a half to get rested up for a regional. Yeah, and I'm dreaming of that Dallas Baptist Regional, as you mentioned. Got to be the most overrated national seed since, well, last year. But we won't get into that. Um, yeah, let's touch on those games you mentioned, John. Uh, the A&M series in Oxford was a big one for Ole Miss. Lost the Thursday night game 4 to nothing. Uh, Grayson Long was just deadly through seven innings. Uh, 12 strikeouts, only gave up two hits. They were both doubles. Um, and yeah, that's the thing about the bats. As you mentioned, they've certainly heated up since the midpoint in the season, but they still can get held down, um, for a complete games from time to time. That was the case on Thursday night. Um, rallied on Friday, saw Brady Brand. actually, sorry, it wasn't Friday, ran out on Friday, had the doubleheader scheduled for Saturday, two seven inning games. Uh, Brady Bramlett kind of looked like the Brady Bramlett we knew from earlier in the season in that first game. Um, just looked really good. I think he had, uh, seven Ks. Three earned runs through five innings. Um, and, and just like I said, looked like his old self. Velocity was back up a little bit. He wasn't hanging balls. Uh, I don't miss got the 7-4 to four win. Some big offense and um, good pitching down the stretch. So that even the series at 1-1. One and one, um, Ray moved into the area. Ended up canceling the third game of the series. So Ole Miss finishes with a 15-4 and four SEC record. Uh, and a 30-26 and 26 overall record counting the days lost to Alabama. So, I mean, the numbers are right there at 500, guys. But if you look back to where Ole Miss was in the non-conference, um, some of those head-scratching losses, it's a situation where you have to be pretty happy with that outcome. It kind of reminds me of basketball season this year um, when by the time Ole Miss snuck into the NCAA tournament at the end, it seemed like a huge victory, even if they were getting into that play-in game. What do you all think about the season as a whole? Uh, I'll start with you, John. I mean, I thought it kind of went the way we were. We figured at the beginning, we knew they had a young team, a lot of turnover. It'd be kind of a slow start. And look at the SEC schedule, the way it laid out. It, we it 
the beginning of the year. It looked look tougher in the beginning and then lightened up a little bit at the end. Although, I mean, Missouri and A&M both proved to have better seasons than I think we either one was expected. But nevertheless, they took advantage of, of uh, the Alabama and, and sweeping state was a big was a key point. Obviously, the whole in-state rivalry thing, but just getting taking advantage of of the of the uh, the worst team in the league, and we'll have some fun with that here in a few minutes. But taking advantage of that and really making sure they get the wins where they where they should be able to com- combat the rest of their schedule. I think they played the top seven teams in the league yeah. this year. So I mean, they and then I saw a stat floating around on Twitter, internet, whatever, wherever you want to source that basically <laughs> the gap between Ole Miss. I believe Auburn had the second highest strength of schedule in the country. It was the same as the gap between Auburn and whoever was 15th strength of schedule-wise. So Ole Miss played like a, an exceptionally difficult schedule. They uh, they should – I mean, they they should be a two-seed when the, the draw comes out. Their RPI finishes up at 26th, according to Warren Nolan. I've seen it 23-24, depending yeah, on who you look It's 24 on the NCAA official right now. I'll set the schedule number one, as you mentioned. Um, Austin, let's get your take on this season. I mean, I think I think the Vanderbilt series is kind of where the series kind of turned in in a, in a positive direction. I mean, there was a kind of a different team coming into that. I mean, season was kind of in question. Were, were they going to were they going to make a run? Were they going to get hot? And then, I mean, they they kind of turned it on at there at the end. They had they swept state. They got the win they needed against A and M, and and they're going to go to regional, be a two or three seed, and just kind of see what the draws. I mean, you you could I th- I think if you ask Ole Miss fans at the beginning of the season if if this is if they were taking the season, I think I think pretty much everyone would have, given how many guys they lost from last year's team. I don't. Yeah, no, I agree that every sensible fan would have. But Austin, I was with you right when we were at the library, and uh, a younger guy that we knew, I think it might have been Wes Klebsig, was telling me that he thought it, maybe it wasn't Wes, but someone else that he thought we were going to be better this year than the College World Series team last year. I I think if you actually followed along, though, it was pretty obvious this was a, a rebuilding year of sorts. Um, after all the bats that Ole Miss lost last year, as well as you know the Friday night ace, and then your Sunday starter from last year, um, pretty much not serviceable this year, injured the whole time. Sam Smith, even more banged up now than he was in the beginning of the season, guys. Y'all, y'all seen this? He has a fractured uh, femur. How Sam, did that happen? Does I, anybody I don't have know. a story? No, that's the question. Um, Sean's been blowing me up trying to figure the same thing out. We have no idea. Um, obviously even before that injury, he was struggling a lot coming off of that sports hernia last year, but strange. I'm not, I'm not sure what happened to Sam Smith there. Um, more injury news, Connor Cloy is still working on that oblique strain. Um, he wasn't, yeah, the break's probably, the break's probably uh, good for that too. I mean, we talked about Trent and Brown. It's probably also good for Connor Cloyd to not have to rush him back. Absolutely. Yeah. So Cloyd, um, should be back for the regional. They were saying he could make it back for game two or three in Hoover if Ole Miss survived that long. Uh, but yeah, really no need to, to, to be in Hoover sweating if you're Ole Miss. Um, didn't need the games to get over 500. Didn't need the games for the RPI. Obviously in good shape for all of that. Um, looks to be a solid two seed, but we'll see what happens on Monday, as we've been mentioning. Um, let's see what else we have here. Ole Miss finishes the season 8-8 eight and eight against the D1 Baseball Top 25. Um, really good, but I was just I'm watching this this Auburn Kentucky game as we record, and uh, Auburn is I think ten and nine maybe against the top twenty five. So they perhaps I mean despite excuse me having a weaker overall schedule because Ole Miss played teams like UCF, Stetson, Louisville in the non conference. Um, Auburn still had a, a really tough road in the SEC and did pretty well for themselves. Kind of surprising 
um, after Sonny Galloway's pretty rough first season last year. I think they're one of the, the best turnarounds in the SEC this year. I yeah, mean, I'd put them there. I'd say uh, – sorry to interrupt. I think no, no, I was, I, was, I was trying to get you all to come in. I mean, obviously you already mentioned A&M and Mizzou. I'd say A&M and Mizzou. Mizzou. Yeah. yeah, Mizzou was fast, kind of faded off. A&M was, was really hot too. I mean, L- LSU was as good as always. I mean, probably the biggest I, – I don't follow South Carolina closely to know what their roster situation was, but I've gotten accustomed to seeing them right there as a host contender every year. And then for them to – kind of fell off this year, yeah. Fall off is a little bit of a surprise. They're playing, um, I'm not sure. I, do y'all know who won the Missouri South Carolina game earlier? I missed that one. But uh, those are both teams that were playing to try to solidify a tournament spot. I'm not sure. Could dig it up here in a minute. But okay. Um, I'm try- yeah, trying to figure out. So Auburn has like they're basically 500 against the top 25 as well. Right, right, right. If, if not slightly, it might be one game above 500. Yeah, that's interesting. Is there's 17 conference losses? They. I mean, it sounds like if they just beat the teams they should have beaten, they'd be right there. Right, well, they got well, swept swe- by is Alabama. One of those. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah, and Ole Miss is two of their their wins against top twenty five. Um, they also they took two from Vanderbilt, I believe. They beat Carson Fulmer. I know they at least did that. They're the only team in the country that's that's been able yeah, to beat, beat Carson, Carson Fulmer. They got swept in College Station. That's an eight. It was hot. Yeah. Um, they're real. I mean, they got swept by Alabama at home. That's really just. Yeah, yeah, they get less that that's, that's the ones they're killing them. Yeah, that's what they're themselves over. Their stadium sucks. Auburn Stadium sucks. You I want mean, the Green Monster in the left field? Oh, God. It's, oh, God. Don't get me started on Green Monsters. Vanderbilt's is terrible, too. But, uh, I mean, at least their stadium is better than the Hoover Met, which is where Alabama plays this season. Um, Wait, John, do you, do you, who else did they beat? They beat uh, – Close the close the page. I mean, they they took one from Florida. They took one from Vandy. Yeah, um, the SEC is just tough road this I mean, year. T- yeah, tough road. I mean, if they if they were fourteen and sixteen, we wouldn't be having this. I mean, they wouldn't even be a bubble team right now. But yeah, absolutely. Wait, right. so since there's still divisions in baseball, everyone in the West plays everyone in the West, huh? And then you play four teams from the East. Correct. Yes. Okay. What are you saying, Austin? I thought I thought it was all I thought it was all together, and you just missed three. I mean, maybe that's the case. I know you missed three. No, they they, I, they still do the divisions. Right, the divisions are gone in basketball, but I, I know they still exist in baseball. So I'm assuming. I mean, let's think about it. We played all the West teams, right? We played A and M, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State. We Arkansas, missed and, and uh, Georgia, Carolina, and Kentucky. So yeah, yeah, could, yeah. So we, maybe it's just a one year thing, but I think everyone plays everyone in their division, and then four rotating. Um, so yeah, the West was 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 really good this year. Uh, John, let's look at final SEC standings. If you got, if you can pull those up for us, I got them right here. I guess we'll we'll do the East first, and then we'll, because we're probably going to finish up with the West. So Vanderbilt wins the East at twenty and ten, uh, thirty nine and seventeen overall, twelve RPI. They're see eleven and eight against the against the uh, top fifty according they to had, the they had a shot no. at winning the whole league, but uh, LSU took care of business last weekend. Yeah, so I would say, I mean, they're they're a host team, but not a national seed contender. Looks like right. they're being the four, number four team in the well, yeah, the number four team RPI wise in the league. Florida, they, company, they didn't even host last year when they won the national championship. So interesting. Yeah. Go on. So yeah, they uh, Florida finished second, nineteen and eleven, fourteen and fifteen, number six RPI. They took two out of three from Vandy as well in Nashville. So they'll. They're kind of the. They may the bump top. up too. They may give that. They gives them a shot at a national seed. That probably that series win maybe. 
I think Florida, because it's – I mean, we'll go ahead and well, – I guess we'll do it this way. LSU is 21-8 overall, 46-9, number five RPI according to Warren. I mean, they're a lock for a national seed. Right. And really it's an A&M versus Florida debate. Florida if SEC play. gets two, yeah. Yeah. I think the SEC will get two and probably get two. Um, I, could could see, argue, I could see Florida, LSU – and then yeah, that's what it feels like. I could A&M see just three, but if they're probably doing it to kind of completely fair manner, they give all three. But they don't want to. They're not going to give three SEC teams national seeds. No, so. no, no. That's not going the game, John. That's not so, going the game. Exactly. You know, Missouri comes in third in the East, fifteen and fifteen overall. I mean, in league play twenty nine, twenty six overall. They're fifteen. I guess. Wow. Almost, they pretty much ended up with the same record as Ole Miss, and they started so hot. They did, as a matter of fact. So, or they're within a game. Ole Miss has one more win. 51 RPI, I'm assuming they're in the tournament. That's I mean, kind of bubbly. That, that is that bubbly, guy. yeah. Yeah, 15 league wins. They'll get the benefit of the doubt, though. You probably, probably. probably, need, a, you probably need a, you know. What's their record against the, the top 25, top 50? They're 7-14 and 14 against the top 50. See, that's, I don't know, that hurts their bubble right there. Yeah, they, I mean, they have a very bubbly resume. I have, I have not checked out any projections for the field, but. Been yeah. focused on the Rebs, obviously. Kentucky, we know, is bubbly, 14 and 15, 30 and 24 overall, 57. If, Kentucky, if Kentucky's in, then Missouri's in, if, if that last five thing you saw. Yeah, Missouri correct. went today. They beat South Carolina 5 1. So, I mean, okay. I mean they're oh, wow. So, South Carolina's out. They, they're going to miss it. They're, they're done. Carolina finished 13 and 17, 32 25 yeah, with a they're 61 RPI that's only been hurt by their loss today. So, they're, they're out. Tennessee, uh, had a sweep against State this weekend. Finished eleven and eighteen, twenty four, twenty five, uh, sixty nine RPI. They were ranked nationally to begin the year. That was some wonderful preseason polling by those involved. So Ten- Tennessee was Tennessee was right. Yeah, congratulations! To everybody <laughs> said Tennessee is going to have a good year. That's hilarious. And then Georgia, the bottom of the East, which does not make sense given the resources you have yeah. in that state. They did have a lot of injuries. I know there are two frontline guys were hurt a lot. Were hurt a lot of the year, especially their um, their one big ace. The um, they got the almost fans are might remember from last year. I think the his last name is Tyler. Yeah, he came out. Yeah, he basically beat Ole Miss by himself on that Saturday game, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Austin, just I mean, just carry. I mean, you being from Georgia, I, I mean, I can I don't understand how Georgia doesn't go at least five hundred every year. I mean, we've seen them win national titles, and then we see them put up years like this. Is it? I mean, how, how committed? How committed is UGA to that program? And they they went out and got the Kent State guy who made that 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 run to Omaha. So I mean, he's been. I think this was his second or third year. I mean, I think that kind of showed some commitment there. I mean, not a whole lot of. I mean, a lot of my friends growing up, they go to UG, UGA. They didn't really go to game. There's not a whole lot of, I guess, overwhelming fan support from the students and from alumni in general. And there's just so many other schools in Georgia. I mean, so many other schools in Georgia that have been successful. And Georgia Southern has been successful. Merge has been successful. Kennesaw State, Georgia Tech's had a lot of success. I mean, and so and so much talent goes pro. I mean, you would think they would be able to figure it out, but I mean, I mean, it's it's a tough state to recruit. It's a tough tough conference to recruit, tough conference to play. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. You would think that the resources are there to, to do better than, than they have done. I mean, they've done in the past. They, um, I'm trying to think the the guy, Gordon Beckham, I, I know who Gordon I'm Beckham. I was say it was 08. They won a title somewhere around there. Uh, they lost in um, three in the, in the final of Fresno State, one of those Fresno State years. Gotcha, yep. I think the other thing, too, probably. They've done I mean, it not, before. Not, not to get too aside. Oh, last comment before, and then we'll keep going here. But I think part of it with the Hope Scholarship requirements being raised is part of the whole, really, if you want to 
go back right. to the 08 financial crisis. So, so now we've tied the 08 financial crisis into YSCC programs are not not doing as well as they should. But that that's part of it too. Regardless, anyway, moving on to the West, uh, the, the Corn Dogs of LSU, as we mentioned earlier, they're they're a lock for a national seed. Maneri's going to go there and then probably win this tournament because he cares the most and he's got the deepest team and then everybody's going to celebrate and they'll we'll figure out how they lose a regional or super regional this year. That should be entertaining. I still cannot figure out how they lost to Houston last year. That made like Houston blew them bad. out. Like it was like it like it, they like it would have been like run rule if it was in Hoover. Exactly. That's interesting. A and M. We talk about they're, they're they're definitely a host team on the bubble for a national seed. Part of you know, well they'll host anyway. So I would say attendance wise, the NCAA probably prefers to have it have A and M over Florida if we want to look at it from a dollar standpoint. Because Florida Florida fans just don't care about baseball and that stadium's man. A and M Bluebell's nice. They could they put probably nine ten thousand people there for games. So that would be. I would think that from a pure, if NCAA was picking based off of facilities, they'd give it to A&M, but we'll see what happens. Arkansas finishes 17-12 and 12 in the conference, 33-20 and 20 overall. RPI is low at 40, but they're obviously they're in. They they have enough arms. They, they're they the two seed that goes and beats somebody. Yeah, no, they're really the good. They're they that, really good. They have that hitter that almost won, they almost won the triple crown for um, in the SEC, too. Yeah, and Andrew Benintendi, SEC Player of the Year. Yeah. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but they started off one one and five, having playing, I believe, it was at Vanderbilt and hosting LSU the first two weeks. And since then, so they've won, they've been sixteen and That's seven tough. the past over the la- course of the last eight series. So they're, I would not want to play them. So if I'm, I'm trying to think of where they send them. It's probably some Big Twelve school, maybe TCU or Dallas Baptist, TCU, something like that. I could they, see, yeah. They're, they're going to give Dallas Baptist Arkansas Sanders. Dude, getting, that's that's it, brutal. Getting, that's brutal for Dallas, Dallas Baptist. Fayetteville is not that difficult. And then they're, the, they're going to give Dallas Baptist a national seed and send Arkansas to and Arkansas is going to win that sucker. I, I promise you that's what ends up happening here. So, so if Arkansas was the three seed, we'd want to be in the regional matched up with that, huh? Because then we could get the super regional back to Oxford. I think Arkansas might be a two. They may, I mean, it, uh, they're to- they're definitely a two. They're going to go and they're going to go be a two and have a really good shot at winning a regional. I think. Yeah, not like, not like it matters that much, but yeah. And you probably won't be paired with a two that that probably doesn't have the hosting consideration, the hosting someone that's the, with a small the park like or something. Old. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, assuming the one opposite doesn't win. I mean, I would think Ar- Arkansas would pro- would win almost any bid to host. So. Regardless, you think so? Oh, you think? Wait, you think Arkansas would, would beat Ole Miss for the super regional if they were matched up? Oh, you talking about? Oh, you talking about right. opposite sides? I'm bracket. saying if yeah, yeah, yeah. if I if our see. if we beat our one seed and the one seed we're matched up with also loses, you know, it becomes a bidding process at that point, right? I'll tell you right now, the NCAA is not going to pit them two against each other because they SEC, would, they yeah. would want, well, they would want both to host. They're gonna. I mean that that's going to be. I mean because they 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 have over they have the rest of the week to figure out where to put Ole Miss. Where if they happen to win, they would be able to. Yeah, true. and host. Speaking of Ole Miss, they finished fourth in the West, fifteen and fourteen conference records. We've talked about thirty and twenty six overall, mid twenties RPI. They're a lock. They're a two seed somewhere. They FSU seems like a possibility. Going to Louisville, do the yeah. Mid- we think of Louisville. I, I, I love that. I would love I Louisville. 
Louisville made with East Carolina, like yes. like Slash's tweet. I was about to say that. Yeah, let's let's get Cliff Godwin in the mix too. Let's do it all. That would be great. Think about the, the the talking points. Like Ole Miss would be all over the NCAA tournament coverage. It would be. I mean, doesn't Louisville kind of have a funky park? This. Uh, I watched I watched the two games Ole Miss played there. It seemed okay. I know that they don't charge admission except for the game against Kentucky. That's the only game they charge for, really which fun. is which is funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, I'd be cool with going to Louisville. I mean, Ole Miss already split a series with them. You're going to have to beat some good teams anyway if you want to make it anywhere in this tournament. So Louisville will be a good destination for Ole Miss. Um, I, I'm with you. FSU seems like a viable option at this point, and – I mean, I don't know. I, I've only watched FSU play one game this year when they played Florida, and they looked fine. But, you know, like I said, you're going to get a good team no matter where you go. Unless you go to Dallas Baptist, and then you're just the luckiest. We'll say that Dallas Baptist. They're, they're going to go to Omaha now. now. Yeah, exactly. Dude, give me a break. Dallas Baptist is like 1-4 against the Power 4. Like, that's a joke. Dallas oh. Baptist as a national seed is a joke. <laughs> but we got to grow. Well, we got to have Cinderella in there. Bottom three teams in the West, Auburn at fifth. We've talked about them. They're up 3 nothing right now here in the top of the six against Kentucky as we Four record nothing. this. They just, they just scored. They just scored, so my internet's behind. Thank you, Comcast. There's a, there's a million. <laughs> it's like I'm watching on cable, so I'm like 30 seconds ahead of you. I'm sorry. Oh, gotcha, yeah. So I'm streaming stream on the iPad. So Auburn, Auburn wins this game against Kentucky. They're in the tournament. Like I feel like they are – they probably – are anyways because I don't know how you leave a twenty-two RPI out, but they right, went. That's, they that's clo- what I'm thinking. They closed this game out there. But in. did you say you said they were thirteen and seventeen in the league? Yep. That's rough. That's... If they have enough quality wins that they'll and they have the number two strength of schedule, I mean they'll get they'll get the benefit of the doubt. Did, like. Can you pull their? I can pull their schedule up. I, I'm just wondering if they played anybody in the non-conference or if that strength of schedule is just based on a tough SEC slate. It's probably. Yeah. Question. I'll let you. Pull. I'll go yeah, through. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up here. Um, so next, next to last, Alabama. They're 12 and 18. Really disappointing season. A lot of people thought they'd be good. They're clearly not making the tournament. So, what's Auburn's out of conference look like? I mean, not really seeing much. Um, is Radford okay? Maybe they they swept Radford. I feel like I've seen them in the RPI. Uh, they beat Georgia Tech. Uh, they beat Oklahoma State. So some some power conferences at least, but that's about it. I mean Xavier, they swept Xavier. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. They played Georgia Tech twice actually. Um, played Alabama A and M. Uh, played Kennesaw State, Morehead State. So really not that bad. But obviously, like we mentioned earlier in the show, they got A and M, Vandy, Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, uh, South Carolina, Alabama, and Florida. So I mean, none of the real basement dwellers this season except for Georgia and State on their schedule. So obviously that's really helping that strength of schedule. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. So, so to wrap this up, Mississippi State finishes last. They start the season thirteen and zero and finish twenty four and thirty. So that is what, eleven and thirty the last uh forty one games. That's rough. The that's only rough. team was the triple digit RPI and an eight and twenty two conference record. And so that, that would be the third time in his career at Mississippi State that John Cohen's finished with a single-digit SEC win total. He said he had six his first year. So yeah, let's 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 touch on this briefly. 
Um, obviously, we are an Ole Miss podcast, and I say this every time we talk about Mississippi State. You know, we're not trying to uh, dwell on everything they do, but it is interesting to compare the two programs, in my opinion. Um, not that Mississippi State and Ole Miss go head to head on too many recruits or anything, but you know, we do play four times a season. We do compete in the same conference, and both teams have been to Omaha in the last three seasons. Uh, so you would think probably pretty comparable when you when you put them side by side, but that's really. I don't know. In my opinion, couldn't be further from the truth when comparing Bianco and Cohen. I mean, to me, the only stat you need to know, and John, did I, I might, did I talk about this on the last show? I can't remember. The only stat you need to know is that John Cohen's average SEC record is lower than Mike Bianco's worst SEC season of all time. To me, that just says it all about, about the two coaches head-to-head, which one is better, despite the fact that John Cohen's been to uh, a national championship series and Mike Bianco missed it by a game. No, I had not, I had not heard that, and that, that I mean, Cohen's been opportunistic. It is a good stat, but Cohen's been real optimistic. He's he made the run to the supers a few years ago, and then they made that. I mean, they made a run to the obviously the, the championship series where they they got hot, and Cohen was managed that team unorthodox in an, in an unorthodox man, manner, and was able to make it work, and got a lot of credit for it. But now I feel like he's. He's almost out. He's really outthinking himself. It's, it's I mean, too unorthodox. I mean, I, I saw another stat, um, and I think this is the right number. Uh, something like 105, 106 consecutive games. He started a different lineup. That's that's not baseball, right? I mean, come on. Like, you, 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 can you really yeah. tinker that much? I feel like you have a starting lineup for a reason, right? Yeah, I mean, baseball players are creatures of habit, and doing that is really right. disrupting. It's just getting in their head. I mean, when you're a baseball player and you're out there every at-bat trying to solidify your place in the lineup the next day, I mean, that's the definition of pressing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's funny. I'm looking at the, the uh, Duty Noble rendition. Oh, my uh, God, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. John, they're going to spend $75 million. First of all, it seems low for that stadium, but they're going to spend that on a sport that makes no money, right? Yep, I mean, and it's funny because – in, especially for a program that has it's been inconsistent. Although I look at this rendition, they don't have a spot up for the couches out there, so I'm not sure how this is really going to go over with the fans. I guess I got the, the left field loft idea is really cool. It doesn't make any fiscal sense, but it's a cool idea, though. I agree. Looks good, but I mean, they got a big scoreboard out there. Why do they need that when they could have room to put couches out there? I mean, <laughs> it's just wasted space, wasted, wasted taxpayer money, man. <laughs> they can put it toward the Davis way. To be fair, to be it's fair, six, that, that's like like ninety percent borrowed money. They can do that, but right, yeah, we we talked about that this week on our on our group message about how uh, I don't know how they're going to pay for this stadium when they had to fund the football stadium through bonds. But you know, that's something for a different day, perhaps. Um, to your point, I'm sure that they can put their couches out on those balconies, John, and the left field loft. So uh, they'll probably be fine with that. Yeah, they probably will. So one last point with Cohen. He, I mean, he's the number two salary in the league, or one of the top four, regardless. So this is a this is a year old list, but it's but as of twenty fourteen, Maneri at LSU's making seven fifty, which makes sense. I mean, they they actually have a black line when it comes to baseball from a revenue from a or from a net net profit standpoint. And very, Cohen, very impressive. Very Cohen impressive. and Van Horn are in the low six range. This one has Bianco at five fifteen, but obviously Mike has a new contract. Mike's making Venera's probably pushing eight or nine now. Mike's in the sevens when it's all said and done. So he's Mike's probably number two or three in the league. Oh, this doesn't have Cohen on it. Uh, 
or Corbin on here, sorry. Right, Vance, right, because their numbers are private. So he's private. making a million dollars, but they have inflated everything when it comes to baseball finances, so we forget him. But it's so really Maneri, Cohen, um, top six, Cor- top five, Corbin, top six. Van Horn, Bianco, and then we'll cut, we'll, we'll cut cut the line there. Those those five are really kind of all in the premier pay grade. And you look at Bianco, Van Horn, they've been very consistent. Obviously, Mike finally getting to Omaha puts him where nobody can really say anything. Maneri does a good job. Probably probably should have won more than one title by this point. You yeah. can say the same for Corbin, but he's I mean he's he's right there. I mean all, that group that group is all deserving. And I mean Cohen's had one uh, championship series run. He's also had I mean you can't I don't you can't be in that bracket pay scale wise and put up as many single digit conference winning seasons as Cohen has. I mean, I don't care. You can say red and blue glasses, all that. That's just a fact. There's really the, no way around it. The, the valleys are lower, and the valleys are more prevalent than the other ones. The other ones are just more consistent. I mean, the, you can't argue that point. Yeah, and I mean, their team had a down year last year after the College World Series, and they were convinced that this was the balance back year. Like you said, started 13-0. and um, Looked like they had a good team. But really, no power besides Wes Ray, and he's fairly inconsistent at the plate. Um, just a lot of contact hitters and not enough pitching to play Cohen ball, uh, is my opinion. I mean, they if Cohen has a dominant pin, yeah, you can win games by one run or two runs and bump people over and steal and all that stuff. But when you're, when you're a guy like Ross Mitchell, you're counting on as being like a, a really solid – Presence in the bullpen, um, he's been good his whole career. When he comes out and just gets shelled all year, you're not going to be able to win games playing small ball. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see if he adjusts his strategy to the new baseballs, um, however much those are really having an effect. I think he's got to change his recruiting for sure. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting to follow. Uh, if you watch the episode of the season from the Mississippi State Series, uh, Mike Bianco tells the team that the best program in Mississippi, and they've proven that, and I would have to agree with them. But uh you know, obviously Ole Miss won this year in the in-state battle. But we're going to take a quick break, guys, and we're come back. We're going to talk about Ole Miss's newest basketball signee, um, a fifth-year graduate transfer from Liberty University. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Get your game on. Get your, get your game on. Get your game on. Get your, get your game on. Welcome to Mississippi 511. You guys ready for the game? MDOT Traffic says it's all clear. Well, let's go. Check MDOT Traffic before every game on the website, the smartphone app, or just dial 511. Wait a minute. You got the tickets? This is Dr. Stephen Cochise, and I want to talk to you about performance rehab. When you're injured playing sports or on the job, your goals should be quicker recovery times and better performance. Standard physical therapy can get you to your goal, but performance rehab goes one step further. How? Many doctors like myself are discovering the enormous benefits of aquatic therapy. All four locations of performance rehab offer the Aquagator underwater treadmill system, the most advanced state-of-the-art aquatic therapy program in the state of Mississippi. As a physician, I think you deserve the best, don't you? So when your doctor suggests physical therapy, tell them you want performance rehab. Visit their locations in Ridgeland, Byram, Richland, or the Reservoir, or call 601-899-0002 for an appointment. Workman's Comp is accepted. Performance Rehab, the way physical therapy was meant to be. 
does it mean to be healthy, to reach new heights, to find joy in the adventure? Now's the time to know you have a partner on your journey. The compassion of a cross, the security of a shield that opens doors to a healthier life, giving you the strength to live like anything is possible. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue. I say, sports fans. Ole Miss fans, you wouldn't want the team playing with outdated equipment. We don't want you to use an outdated app. Our new app has more features, more content, and an easier interface to keep you connected to your team. Go to the iTunes Store now and download the latest version of Rebel Sports Radio. Rebel Sports Radio has done the work. You prepare to play. All right, guys, and we are back. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, Ole Miss got a commitment slash – I don't know, Austin, maybe you can clear this up. It, it's it's not so much a commitment as an actual – it's the signing period, right? Like, we got him. Like, it's over. Yeah, like, um, he's going to be here in the fall, immediately eligible. Right, so – Kind of like, a, the, like MJ Red and Terrence Smith. Exactly, exactly. I'm just saying, since it's an actually a signing period, I don't think you have to worry about a commitment, right? Like, I think he can actually sign right now. Right. Yeah, he's signed the paperwork already. Right, yeah. so his name is Tomas Giello, and if that's not how you pronounce his name, we're going to have uh, some time to figure it out. To figure it out, he's another foreign player who Andy Kennedy um, – you know, we all know Andy's the president of the United Nations around Oxford, so that's something he's comfortable with. Uh, kind of, um, what was the, what was the term also? I think you used it or John, well, we were quoting someone, someone, one of the Ole Miss reporters said that he was a, a rich man's Anthony Perez. Um, but he's going to play more than just that three. Is that right? Austin, you have, the, you know, well, probably, from, probably more stretch four is kind of what I've seen and heard kind of, kind of trying to be, trying to be MJ red 2.0, try to fill that, that stretch four and maybe play some three type role to really help out um, Sebastian Saiz inside. Yeah. Interesting. So. That is obviously MJ Rhett had a big season for Ole Miss, came on strong at the end. He does have an element to his game that Rhett does not have, and that would be outside the three-point line. Um, he shot 40% in his junior year at Liberty. Um, he was injured his senior year and, and got the medical red shirt that's given him this fifth-year eligibility, so not too many stats from that year. But uh, that junior year, he averaged 10.9 points and 5.9 rebounds a game, which are pretty good numbers um, for Liberty. Uh, six foot nine, two hundred and thirty pounds. Um, he also plays for the Polish national team, which I thought was cool. Um, plays with Gortat and uh, a couple other guys that I feel like I might have heard of. Um, yeah, and you, you gotta like that. Sebastian Saez obviously plays for Spain, although I don't think he's on the actual national team. He played in the the U eighteen, U nineteen team. Um, so that's cool. That's cool to see. How important is this commitment, John, um, when you think about the fact that Ole Miss is still grappling with Dwight Colby trying to get him to stay? I mean, it's obviously important and they, I mean, they need to replace Rhett and Aaron Jones regardless. So this assists with that. Although with Colby, the fact that nothing, the fact that he hadn't left yet, it makes me feel like he is talking to staying because he, I mean, from a basketball standpoint, only perspective it really makes no sense why he would transfer he's gonna have plenty of opportunity to play in the fall but in in next year but obviously this is beneficial be interesting to see what kind of style we stretch for he is versus other options on the roster where you get kind of you know can he can he be a backup to Perez or how 
does he compliment Perez and the rest of the roster? Let's hope, so, let's hope I mean, he's not Perez's backup. If this guy's only getting in after Perez is tired, I think we have bigger problems. Yeah, so it is a good point. Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how how this works out. I mean, with like like we've talked about on previous episodes, we I mean, with Andy Kennedy, you know, he's gonna find a way to ragtag a roster together and get a lot and get a, probably get more out of him than he should. So, this feels like the same way. We're seeing the we're seeing roster turnover in a positive manner. So, I think I think we'll be in good shape. Yeah, I guess Austin, I want to ask you, having been a working for the athletic department what it what it from just a, in a very general sense what is kind of the what is that if you had to describe what is the, the thoughts of the, your sense of the administration's thoughts towards a, a, ak obviously they gave him a contract extension i mean is there is there no doubt in the administration's mind that ak is the guy to take this program forward or is this simply they have to to do it more for appearances i don't know if you have any thoughts on that I think just kind of based on the contract extensions he's gotten throughout this, I mean, he's meeting the expectations. The NCAA tournament was kind of the expectation. He met it, and then t- two years later he met it again. Um, he, he kind of, based on the, his consistency, based on that, that recent says getting to the tournament, um, you get the sense that he kind of earned the right to open the new arena and then now just kind of see what, what he can do. I mean, the, the freshmen that are coming in, I mean, they're, they're a little bit more talented than the, than the players that he's typically been able to bring in and, I mean, he's he's had a lot of success with the with the with these transfers. I mean, Marshall and Moody and MJ and Terrence and mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's done it his own way. I mean, he's he's kind of won in spite of a lot of the shortcomings that 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 comes with Ole Miss basketball, with the history, with the arena. I mean, we've we've talked about probably those at at length, and he's still been able to put together a product there that that makes Ole Miss relevant within the Southeastern Conference, and then recently kind of I mean, a little bit a little bit a little bit of national buzz. I mean. It's in a much better place than when he than when he came in. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, um, I think that relevance is something that Ole Miss fans are kind of taking for granted. I mean, this is a stat we were talking about earlier in the week, guys. Um, but Ole Miss is the only team in the SEC to finish with a winning conference record in uh, football, basketball, and baseball. So, I mean, to see the kind of success we're seeing in all three sports. Um, not not championship level success, but reliable, dependable winning seasons, uh, and in, the, in a lot of cases, I'd say improvement. Obviously, um, we like to think that Hugh Freeze is improving. You know, nine and three isn't his ceiling. Um, Andy Kennedy and Mike Bianca may be a little bit more up and down, um, a lot more reloading that has to be done, uh, just at the phases they are in their recruiting cycles. But I think overall, under Ross Bjork, we've seen first consistency. Uh, among these coaches in their records. Um, and, and now that we've achieved some consistency, I think he's going to push them to kind of add on and, and not be complacent where they're at. Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, with, with, with Freeze and Bianca, they flirted with, with national championships. I they mean, did, they have, Mike, yeah. Mike's one game away. I mean, the Freeze is, pro- is, I mean, they're a play here or there. I mean, obviously, an, it, the Laquan injury definitely played a role in that season. I mean, Couple of things break the right way, and I mean, you maybe get in the playoff, and you don't know what what happens. And like I said, Mike was a game away. I mean, Andy was probably the furthest away from national championships, but in terms of the three sports, what they're working with, he's probably has the least resource available. And he probably overachieved the most of the three. So I think let's let's say let's say that Ole Miss ended up. This is this is dumb. This just popped in my head. Say Ole Miss took Ohio State's place, but you don't think they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't rematch Alabama and Ole Miss in the playoffs. You'd probably have to play FSU or Oregon. I mean, with Laquan Treadwell 
and maybe a healthier Bo Wallace, those are games that you think Ole Miss could be competitive in, the Ole Miss team before the Auburn game. So, yeah, no doubt about it that Hugh Freeze was a couple games away last year, a couple plays maybe even. Um, but, yeah, back to Andy Kennedy. He got the extension. Um, Ole Miss is believing him. The, the pavilion at Ole Miss is really coming along. They did the topping off ceremony um, a few days ago. I think that's where they put in, like, the highest support beam. Um, in the arena, I think maybe four of six roof trusses are up now. Um, so basically by the time we get to football season, guys, I think the outside of the building is going to be mostly done. That's going to be exciting to walk by going to the stadium every game. In the parking garage. Yeah, the parking garage is ready. So, Austin, do you know, um, I've heard that there's going to there's gonna be a sky bridge between the parking garage and the uh, like the suites in the football stadium. Have you heard about this? I have not. I can I cannot speak to that. I have not heard. That's the first I have heard of this. Yeah, so maybe maybe not. Maybe I dreamt that, but uh, I could see that out, coming along in a few years. What did you say? Sorry. A little more out of the loop now. Yeah, true, true. No, no. Hours away. Um, yeah, no. So, lots of exciting stuff going on there. Um. A lot of construction happening on campus. And really, after uh, after you finish the arena, bowl in the football stadium, at n- no facilities at Ole Miss, could you say, are not in the top half of the SEC. Would you agree with that? Maybe football is the one where it gets debatable. I know they're also, they're also redoing the track facility because that, that's had some issues. That's, an, that's another kind of big project that's ongoing yeah. that's, that's coming online. Yeah, and the, the softball stadium is obviously nice. Um, Soccer is pretty nice. Got a top-of-the-line rifle facility. Um, how many years has Ross Bjork been at Ole Miss? Five? Is that about four? No, five? Ooh, no. Uh, three. No, yeah, didn't, about, didn't he hire Freeze? Hired spring, hired March of 2012. He, Freeze was hired December of 11 by Manning yeah, and uh, Mike, okay. is it Mike Glenn or Mike yeah, Glenn and Mike, Archie. That's right. Mike so Glenn when and did, Archie. When did Bjork was hired leave? and Bo- Boone was thank. He officially, I mean, it was announced that Boone was going to resign there in November, like right when. Well, di- didn't didn't Houston like say get get fired and Boone say he's? It was the same re- day. Re- same it was day. The same day, like day right? November, like wow. early November. Two birds, yeah. two birds. And then, one step. and basically, Boone was just there, but and then it was also announced Boone would not have anything to do with the coach next coaching search and Archie right, so. and. Uh, just over three years at Ole Miss, yep. um, I think it's hard to argue that Bjork has made a big impact. Um, should be interesting moving forward. Excited, excited about next basketball season. Excited to open the Pavilion in January. Um, lots to look forward to if you're an Ole Miss basketball fan. You Football. Know. We're, when we get, we'll, we'll cover it later. Obviously, because we have a lot of time. Right, Football so. season is absolutely fascinating. Oh, it's going to be huge. So, yeah, that's the thing, guys. We're not going to uh, really talk about football in this episode, but you will have a, a whole summer of football talk, I promise you. I think there will even be um, some episodes where we go team by team in the SEC, uh, look at their schedule, do some previews, all that stuff. So we have lots of time this summer to get into that. Um, but today we're going to leave the football topics alone. Um, I'm trying to think. I, there's There's been a commitment in football since our last show. That offensive lineman from Georgia, Jack DeFore. I don't know if either of y'all know anything about him, but he's a three-star. I think he was an all-state player in Georgia. He, Dad played for Georgia, does not have a Georgia yeah, I'm offer. Worried, I'm worried point. about that. He doesn't have a Georgia offer, so that yeah, could be but, something but, to watch. But Mark Rick will screw it up for us. I mean, that's kind of what he does. So That's fair. Good. So, yeah, he's a, he's a big kid. Um, decent offer list, Georgia Tech, I think Auburn maybe, uh, I'm trying to think of the other SEC schools. 
So yeah, that's a good get. Obviously need a lot more offensive linemen. It kind of seems like the coaching staff is slow playing some kids right now. Um, maybe waiting on some bigger names who obviously aren't going to make their decisions right now. i got to hope that's not going to burn them down the stretch. I think coaching staff thinks this team's got a shot at winning yeah. the league, but we, we'll get into that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to football on a later episode. Keep listening in. Um, let's take one more quick break, and when we come back, we're going to touch on some general sports topics, um, NBA playoffs, um, maybe spend less time on the horse race than it actually took, so very, very little time. But uh, stick with us. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to Mississippi 511. You guys ready for the game? MDOT Traffic says it's all clear. Well, let's go. Check MDOT Traffic before every game on the website, the smartphone app, or just dial 511. Wait a minute. You got the tickets? This is Dr. Stephen Cochise, and I want to talk to you about performance rehab. When you're injured playing sports or on the job, your goals should be quicker recovery times and better performance. Standard physical therapy can get you to your goal, but performance rehab goes one step further. How? Many doctors like myself are discovering the enormous benefits of aquatic therapy. All four locations of performance rehab offer the Aquagator underwater treadmill system, the most advanced state-of-the-art aquatic therapy program in the state of Mississippi. As a physician, I think you deserve the best, don't you? So when your doctor suggests physical therapy, tell them you want performance rehab. Visit their locations in Ridgeland, Byram, Richland, or the Reservoir, or call 601-899-0002 for an appointment. Workman's Comp is accepted. Performance Rehab, the way physical therapy was meant to be. What does it mean to be healthy, to reach new heights, to find joy in the adventure? Now's the time to know you have a partner on your journey. The compassion of a cross, the security of a shield that opens doors to a healthier life, giving you the strength to live like anything is possible. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue. Woohoo! I say, sports fans. Ole Miss fans, you wouldn't want your team playing with outdated equipment. We don't want you to use an outdated app. Our new app has more features, more content, and an easier interface to keep you connected to your team. Go to the iTunes store now and download the latest version of Rebel Sports Radio. Rebel Sports Radio has done the work. You prepare to play. All right, guys, and we are back. Um, you know, you're listening to Land Sharks After Dark. I know you come on here to hear us talk about sports, maybe hear us, um, you know, try to make a joke here or there, but I know the real reason you're listening is to hear about DraftKings.com. That's right, folks. DraftKings.com, the best place in the world to uh, to, to play one-day fantasy leagues. They're partnering with us at Vsporto and Rebel Sports Radio. Um, I don't know if you know about this, but if you like fantasy sports, this is for you. Football, basketball, baseball, golf, car racing for you probably, John. Uh, all kinds of stuff there. They have your one-day leagues. Um, they let you get in for as little as $1. Give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's not a season-long thing. You don't have to commit to your team. 
Uh, don't get stuck with those terrible players you thought were going to be good on draft day, but turns out they're, they aren't because you're an idiot. No, you don't have to worry about that. You're reading your team every day. So go to DraftKings.com. Use our promo code. That's important, guys. If you go to DraftKings, please use our promo code VSPORTO. VSPORTO, all caps. You get 100% match deposit up to $600. Uh, this year, DraftKings has given out over a billion dollars in prizes. Start playing and start winning. And guys, winning is not what the teams I was cheering for did in the NBA playoffs. Um, I was going for the Clippers against the Rockets, going for the Grizz against Ooh. Golden State. Ooh. Did not turn out too well in any of those things. So, uh, what, Austin, do you want to update us on the uh, the teams that are left in the NBA playoffs? Well, the Atlanta Hawks are in the conference final for the first time in since they moved to Atlanta, so that's exciting. Um, sports yeah. radio here is fun. Um, I went to game five. It was, that was fun. Watching that's game cool. six um, was fun. So I'm in great spirits. Um, it's a very rare emotion for an Atlanta sports yeah, fan. The rest of the, com- the country is weeping. Yeah. And then um, there's LeBron in Cleveland, who everyone thinks is going to carry them to the finals again. The fight in LeBron's. Um, coaching, playing, all, all those good things. And then sure. – um, Golden State and Houston in the um, led by Josh Smith in the Boring. Western <laughs> The Splash Brothers. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so I, the guys, Warriors the, are going to beat them in five yes, games. I agree. Yes, the Clippers should have beaten them. Like that was what that was pathetic. Happened? That was pathetic. That that game where Houston came back and won in the fourth quarter. It was so you know late. I was know. falling asleep watching it, and I, I I thought I was having a nightmare. Like, is this really happening right now? This is ridiculous. Doc Rivers, the only coach to lose up three one twice in oh NBA gosh. history. Oh my gosh, that is not a good stat. And then so I think Doc's one of the three. But I had him in one of the three best coaches in the league. But he's not. I had him even with, with the ability to match Greg Popovich. That is, he's lost that status. I, what happened in Game Six is just inexplicable. I can't. Although, you know, watching is it Balmer, the Microsoft dude that owns yeah. that team. Watching him just lose it was absolutely fantastic. So that was uh, <laughs> that was really entertaining. I mean, the the Clippers, Blake Griffin had taken a step, and I was like, oh, I can like this team now. And then they go out and they beat. The, they're the Clippers. So. Yeah, they clipped. They clipped hard uh, in that series. Um, as I mentioned, Memphis, Golden State. Memphis showed life, um, but Golden State crushed it pretty quickly. They were the best team in the league, and they showed it. Yeah. yeah. No, no doubt about that. And I think something that people have been talking about more uh, now that we're in the postseason is Golden State's defense is really good. Um, it's not just offense with them. They're a complete team. And Steve Kerr, Memphis came up with a formula to win games two and three that really threw Golden State off their game, especially offensively. But Steve Kerr, first-year head coach, got a lot of praise. He went out and he made the adjustments. He basically said, Tony Allen, we will not guard you. Like, beat us offensively. And Tony Allen can't do that. Took him off the court in game four. Memphis did. Memphis did not does not have the personnel to make the counter adjustment. They just don't haven't been able to land a perimeter shooter. So require one and what whatnot so it's i mean the, the grizzlies do not have a dominant perimeter score and that bites them every playoffs they have the front court with gasol and randolph together but they haven't but let me see what mark gasol does in free agency but that's a whole nother discussion but wait so austin you're a hawks fan who is the hawks best player i think it's damari carroll I mean, I mean, the Kyle Corbett. Dude, that's crazy. Like, how is an NBA team in the finals? And you tell me who the best player is. I've never heard of him. 
I mean, I think he's the most consistent, well-rounded player. Oh my god! Now, 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 you getting crunch time. It's probably gonna be Dennis Schroeder trying to trying to penetrate off the bounce. I still don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, I don't either. Teague and Horford and I know Kyle Korver. Yeah. Everyone's favorite player is Kyle Korver. I I, I, I do, do like know him. that. Are these guys like first, second year players in the league? Are they veterans? Oh, Schroeder's a second-year guy. The other guys are a bunch of veterans. Horford's been around a couple years now. He was yeah, on those. Yeah, I've heard, of, I've heard of Horford. And then I who's remember the, who's the first guy you said? I legitimately have not heard. Uh, well, Demari, I've seen Demari, Demari Carroll, right? I saw him play a game. Back. I didn't realize. Uh, like, I know Paul Millsap. Like, I know probably four or five people on this roster, but I was like, oh, I didn't hear them dudes. They're, they're, like, they're like the Spurs. I mean, the Budenholzer oh came gosh, over. Dan Perry like came Spurs. over. And, and they're, they do the ball movement. They do the team ball. I will say How many rings do the Spurs have? They have a couple. They've won before. I mean, to be fair, I mean, Budenholzer came from was a Popovich assistant. That's I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I do think Budenholzer will probably forget more about coaching than Blatt in this series, but it won't matter because LeBron is probably. I mean, yeah, so let's let's make picks. Austin, are you taking the Hawks? I'm going to do the Hawks in seven. Hawks I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think they, I think they, they, I think they, I think Budenholzer gets the better of Blatt and they win in seven. Do they have home court? The Hawks have home they court. They do. They do. Okay. John? Uh, the Cavs, because I don't know who's going to guard LeBron. I mean, LeBron's going to. Damari Carroll. Damari Carroll's on the guard. You're going to watch. You're going to. I'm going to learn who Damari Carroll is. going to learn who Damari Carroll yeah, is. We're about to LeBron. learn. LeBron's going to get to the finals, and then Golden State is probably going to just smoke them. But we'll see. Watch the Rockets win it all now that we've said this. Yeah, dog. Dude, I I cannot get excited about the Rockets, man. I hate Dwight Howard. James Harden's fine, but he seems to just disappear for long periods of time. Kevin McHale's hateable. Josh oh, gosh, Smith's hateable. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Trevor is just hateable. Who's not hateable on that team? Jason Terry is the only not hateable person on there. I team. would disagree because I kind of hate Jason Terry. So yeah, um, so yeah, let's make picks for that here. Well, I'll pick. Uh, I'll go Cavs in seven just for you, Austin. Uh, I could be Game totally wrong. Be fun. Yeah, exactly. I could be totally wrong um, about the Cavs winning it all, but. I feel like they have the edge right now. But, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe uh, not having a star player isn't really as much of a setback as we think it is. Um, I'll, watch, I'll watch those games. I don't know about Houston-Golden State. Really not too excited about that series. Um, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing Golden State in the finals just to see if the other team can figure them out. But I just there's not much in that series that appeals to me. I'm going to pick Golden State in six. I think Golden State in five. I think what'll be interesting is to see the cat see a Cavs Warriors final where the Warriors yeah, are the better team. And but the Cavs have LeBron, so that they would be have a good LeBron. Matchup. The pressure would be on like Thompson and Curry and all those guys. But is Leonard is Leonard hurt right now for the Cavs? Not Leonard. Uh, uh, Kevin Love. Well, yeah, I know Love's yeah, he had hurt. shoulder surgery. He's out for us. I know Love's hurt. Kyrie Irving. That's sorry. I get. I get. I, I, I don't know how banged up, but I mean, he's going to try to play kind of like John Wall did. But I mean, we'll see how healthy he is. J.R. Smith's going to be the secret weapon in the finals, guys. He's going to come in and be a difference maker. Marshall's favorite player. Trying to, get the, Marshall trying to get the pipe. Yeah, no, you got to yeah. love J.R. Smith. Um, so yeah, so looks like me and John are picking a Cavs Golden State final. Austin, do you take the you take the Warriors or? Uh, yeah, I'm doing them um, Warriors in five and. Hawks and seven. So you're taking Hawks Warriors final. Who wins that final, John? Hawks Warriors. So between, I had to see with Mike with the Cavs in there. Let's see, Warriors win and 
Well, they're back to the two two one one. Yeah. See, they go. Warriors win in seven. LeBron gets it to seven games. If if Kerr if Blatt wasn't so incompetent, I would pick the Cavs. Like I, I would really think about picking the Cavs because I think LeBron can will a team, but he can't will a team with an incompetent coach. And, the, and Kerr Kerr appears to be a competent coach. But the thing about the thing about the Warriors, they're clear favorite, but they're all it's the first time for this group together. And they right. if they if they haven't if adversity sets in, are they going to be able to get out of it? Wait, so Austin, do you think the Hawks can beat the uh, the Warriors in the in the finals? I think the Warriors are the team to beat. If it, if it ends up being Hawks Warriors. I'm probably gonna. I'm probably gonna think Warriors gonna win in six. I'm probably just gonna accept the fate that and you know. Then be surprised if you right. happen to be wrong. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to look at things. That's how I normally approach Ole Miss sports: is pick the worst outcome and assume that's what's gonna happen. And then uh, if you're wrong, you're you're happy still. And if you're right, you can say, "Well, I was right." It's called a reverse jinx. Every Ole Miss fan should learn that. Um, let's All see. Right, I, have a, I have a quick question. Go ahead, go ahead Austin. Question. Okay, Hawks tickets for game one are down to $85. Do I take the plunge and go see the Hawks and LeBron game one? Do I take yeah. the plunge? Yeah, you're not behind no. in the series yet. You should totally go. Yeah, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. It's the perfect time for it. Okay. I might, I, might take the, I might take the plunge here in a bit. I was just crowdsourcing. My- it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Wait, so no, Austin, I, I, we know you saw the Hawks game, but you also went to a Miami Marlins game last weekend. Is that right? I did. I went. Um, I went Saturday afternoon. I, I almost. I missed the no hitter, the near no hitter, but uh, yeah, I went on um, Saturday. Oh, yeah, the, I saw that on TV. Yeah, they he lost the no hitter in the ninth inning with one out. That's awful. Yeah. So yeah, what was the, what was that like? What was your experience like at Marlin Park? Oh, uh, we we sat in the center field seats for the probably the first four or so innings. Uh, we almost caught a home run ball, so we got a little got a little airtime on TV, and then. Yes. Um, for those who haven't watched Marlins games, which is probably most of you, because I mean it's the Marlins. Nobody goes to that stadium. It's just like this. There, big, there are a lot of empty cathedral. seats there. There's a um, there's a club, the Clevelander, in center field. It's a ten dollar cover, and it's um. I mean, did you say it was a, called the Clevelander? The Clevelander. There's there's a there's a club on South Beach, and this is like the second location of it. What the shit? All right, well that's cool. So how was the what was the club like? Um, just what kind of you expect in the club, like the library, but more <laughs> Miami beachy. Um, you had a pool and probably um, not that much like the library. Then, <laughs> I mean, that's the closest thing to Hawks. I mean, okay, I mean, right, right, right. Awesome no, I'm, I'm messing with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's and a, a pool. pool. Ooh, pool and um, you know, dancers and. Did you, did you go for a swim? I did not. I almost got. I almost got pushed into. <laughs> people thought that'd be funny to push me into the pool. <laughs> it would have been probably S- silliest thing a member of the Grayson group did. In the club, Austin, or the weekend in general. There's got to be a story. I don't know who all was down there with you, but there's got to be some epic moment here. Man. <laughs> Nothing you can share. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, just, I mean, it's just, um, probably the one thing is just, I mean, it's, just, it's not like one moment, it's just kind of the overall weekend. Like, I mean, they're just the characters that you, that you meet and you run into down there. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you watch, you watch movies and TV shows and you, and you, and you think of them as like characters and characters and like, and like, there are some. There's some really cool people. There's some people who are kind of from same type people you meet at Ole Miss or back in Georgia, wherever you're listening. But there's some people down there that you know you don't expect to see, and you're just like, is that is this real life? Is that a real person? So just a lot of just like kind of stuff like that. A lot of surreal. A lot of so if you don't expect, you know, mm-hmm. it's a different Absolutely. world down there. Yeah. Also, I'm check, sure. also checked out um, University of Miami. That, that was that was a pretty cool facility, pretty cool complex down there. 
Good deal, good deal. Good stuff. Speaking of interesting people, did anybody see, this is a 180, did anybody see Robert Kraft today and his, uh, him announcing like they will accept the punishments that Goodell has leveraged yeah, on I them? I did, I did see that, yeah. It was like, you know, it was such a smug negotiation deal. I'm a little, I mean, I think... I think the first round draft, I think the draft picks is, are a bigger deal than Brady missing four games. I, Brady, it sounds like the backstory is that Brady's going to, going to continue. The Patriots are going to drop their appeal of the of the draft picks and the fine. Not the money matters. To, not the million dollars matters. Yeah, how about that million draft. dollars? That's going to hurt. Yeah, he only, he's only worth four billion, so he'll he'll have to find a way. But regardless, that sounds like Brady's basically they have a like a backdoor agreement where Brady's suspension get reduced to two games, which. Honestly, I thought it'd be two games to start with. I think that's fair. The whole, I mean, the reality, he should, if the Patriots had not been complete jerks about the whole thing, that, that they, would, no, they would never suspended him and never find him. But the way they came out and said, we're above everybody, essentially. They, I mean, Goodell was, is, even though he is buddy-buddy with Kraft, he's essentially forced by circumstances to do something, tell the Patriots to to shut up and that they are human. So that was at least somewhat refreshing to see. I mean, the Pat, the, the, the Pat's air, I don't know what you guys think. The Pat's arrogance or my perception of it on this whole ordeal has just been ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I'll say that the fan reactions up here, like you see, they're like, well, they immediately go and deny, deny, deny. And it's sitting here going, well, look, you, I mean, if, if this was the first, is this a, this was a, Individual offense, I could see that. But Whoa. The Kentucky the just hit a homer and a Hoover, guys. Hoover homer. Uh, we're oh, out, like on the foul pole, or did uh, you like a... no? It, I just looked up when I was going out. It looked pretty deep, like uh, right center. I'm about maybe. to see. I'm about to see it's, here in a few seconds. Hi, Tom. Sorry, sorry, go on, go on. I want to hear what the fans think up there about this. Oh, they're like, there's no evidence. Blah blah blah. It is. It, it's just they. They think. They think. That they're above the rules when it's and it's just it's silly. It's kind of it's the very it's it's honestly like the most New England attitude thing ever. If you really want to boil it down to it, like there's a there's a sense that nothing they do that they cannot be penalized and there's no way they're wrong. And pretty boy Tom can't do anything wrong either. But he's we've seen that be of course not of course not. It's All nothing. Right. Did, did anybody see Tannehill's contract? The no. Dolphins gave him. What do you, okay, Justin, I'm going to ask you this. Ryan Tannehill got a contract extension. How much money do you think it's worth? Okay, okay. Total contract, I'm going to say, tell me it's how many, fi- tell me how many it's years. It's a five-year deal. Okay, five-year deal for Ryan Tannehill. I can't imagine that being worth more than $25 million, right? $96 million. Oh, my God. That's absurd. He's getting paid $20 million a year to be Ryan Tannehill? I think they, I think it's backloaded, and I think they can pretty much walk away from it after the first two years. It's a scuttlebutt on Twitter, but the idea of it putting a five-year, ninety-six million-dollar deal next to Tannehill's name is kind of a search, especially after all the money they gave Sue this off-season. I mean, I don't know where, of course, oh, the salary cap is going up. It's going to get go up a notable, notable amount this next year. But I, I saw that and was like, "There's no way." I, I think Tannehill's actually a decent quarterback, but he's. He's whatever Alex Smith got, like a five-year, $60 million type. I could see giving him 12 a year. I can't see. But paying pay, – I mean, that's I mean that's top-of-the-line starter money, essentially. I mean, I mean in, the, 
in the yeah. Dolphins' defense, I mean, you look at this this past draft, look at the drafts coming up. There hasn't been a whole lot of quarterbacks coming out into the draft ready to contribute outside like Andrew Luck in recent years. And there's, years. there's nobody next year either. Unless and I'm there's missing. no free agents. So, I mean, you you got to lock up your guy if you think if you think you can even That's get to a playoffs true. with your guy. It's, it's the market shortage giving right. to get making Tannehill look better. I mean, he's, he, he's good compared to the other options, and that's the... Wait, and so did Bo, did Bo get cut at KC, or is he still competing? I saw some article that said they had a full roster. Yeah, I think I saw. I haven't seen it official, but I would I mean, I would imagine Bo's there to help him out for a week throwing the football. I mean, I wish Bo nothing yeah. but the pass, but he's, he's not an NFL quarterback. Did you guys see... Did we talk about this? Did DT Shackelford got hired by... Right, I don't think we talked about it on the show, but he's going to work for the uh, the the alumni or the athletics foundation. Maybe? Athletic foundation. For, yep. They were some Keith Carter and, and, and company. That that's just I mean that's great. Bjork, yeah. Bjork just does everything right. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, no doubt about that. So yeah, we uh, we'll wrap the podcast there. Uh, American Pharaoh won the, won the Preakness, going for the triple crown. Um, not too much to say about that one. You think um, he does it? You think he does? Uh, it I don't know. It's a little early, uh, right? I think he all... has a shot. He has a, he has a good shot. I mean, he was dominant in the Preakness, and he looked good in the Derby. So, I don't know. I think the field is pretty weak this year. We'll see what horses were held out. I know materiality was held out, but I don't know if he really has the potential to win the Belmont. I think a lot of guys are saving themselves for the Belmont. That's, we'll see. Right, we'll it's see. Good. It's gonna. It'd be a heck of an accomplishment if he beat the feet. Yeah, he did. no doubt. Be cool to see, but uh, that's coming up in about three weeks, I believe. Maybe a little bit closer now. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap the show here, guys. Um, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Sharks AFTR Dark. Uh, we got a Facebook page. I never update it. Probably not even worth liking it. Um, we got a website, LandSharksAfterDark.com, um, and listen on Rebel Sports Radio, um, our gracious channel. Um, do a lot for us. We appreciate that. Uh, we'll leave it here. We'll, we'll join you uh, next Monday evening. You might listen to the episode on Tuesday or late Monday uh, to discuss the NCAA tournament bracket following Selection Monday. Uh, and look ahead to the postseason for Ole Miss. Hopefully um, a very rested and recuperated Ole Miss team ready to make a run to a regional. So um, we'll be back with you next week, guys. Have a good one, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.